You're listening to Jump to Recipe, the show for busy people who love to cook. This is one of our older episodes from when we were called Time Management Insider. Back then, we focused on all kinds of time management for inside the home, not just cooking, except there was quite a bit of cooking back then too, because it was still me and I'm a little obsessed. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's jump in. This is Time Management Insider, a show where we share way too much information about meal planning and time management for inside the home. So I don't know about you, but I've been finding it a little bit harder to budget lately than it has been for me in the past. And so today I am talking with Jessica Ellington of SweetBeeChicago.com. She's a pastry chef. She teaches cooking. She does a lot of product development for businesses. And she also has a lot of wonderful tips for using the freezer. I'm really excited about this because when we're trying to make our dollars go further in the grocery store, buying things in bulk or making things and then freezing them to have later so you can make more out of the ingredients you have and then use them later, all of that is really, really helpful. And so knowing how to freeze things properly is key. And Jessica knows how to do that. So I'll be talking with Jessica real soon. And then at the end of the show, I'm coming to you with a meal plan, a five-day meal plan that uses frozen ingredients. I'm talking about cooking proteins like chicken and fish straight from frozen. So you buy them frozen, they're in your freezer, and you just pull them straight out of the freezer and cook them. So it's just as convenient as having the fresh stuff in your fridge because you don't have to thaw it first. So that kind of thing. Also things like frozen peas, frozen corn, frozen french fries, all that stuff is very inexpensive and super handy to have in your freezer. So I've come up with this five-day meal plan that really makes use of those ingredients and makes them in no way boring, wonderful, exciting meals that are making use of frozen foods. So that will be at the end of the show. And now we're going to talk to Jessica Ellington of Sweet Bee Chicago. Jessica, how's it going? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I am great. And I'm so excited to have you on. Now, I know that you are an executive pastry chef. And so I wanted to start by finding out how you got into the industry in the first place. Okay. It's a little bit of a curvy path. My background is actually in marketing. I have a business degree and I was in that field for I don't know, probably about five years. And then I was fired from my job. Actually, they would probably say I was let go, but it sounds a lot more dramatic if I say (laughs) I was fired. So that's what I like to say. But before that had happened, I really didn't care for that job. And I had started looking at different options and a coworker had told me that she was looking at pastry schools in Chicago. And I had no idea that you could even go to pastry school. I didn't even know that that was something that could be done. So I was looking at pastry schools and I was fired from my job. And within two months, I was enrolled in pastry school. It's something that I'd always loved doing. And somebody I knew let me stage in their kitchen. And if you don't know what that is, that's when 
you go and work for free in the kitchen for a short amount of time. So he let me do it for a long weekend and I loved it. I fell in love with working in the pastry kitchen and that's really how I got into the industry. I just sort of fell into it. It wasn't anything that was planned, but I'm really glad that I went to school and have a business degree because that business degree is what enabled me to become an executive pastry chef so quickly, understanding things like profit and loss, economies of scale, management, those sorts of things. And so I don't ever regret going to college and getting my degree, but it definitely has helped me in the long run. That that makes a lot of sense to me. And actually, you're not the first pastry chef that I've talked to who has like a business or marketing degree. And I think there's something about that that fits for people or maybe just the people that I end up talking to. But I want to know, okay, so where have you cooked? You've been in like professional restaurant kitchens? Mm-hmm. I actually, I started off my very first paid job was in a restaurant and I worked there for three and a half years. I was the pastry chef when I left. It was me in the kitchen. Sometimes I would have an intern, but it was just me in the kitchen. And then from there, I went on to work for a large restaurant group and I managed their multi-million dollar commissary kitchen. And it, wow ran over three sort of categories. There was bread, fresh bread being baked. There were donuts being made for all of the restaurant groups, donut shops, and also a pastry kitchen, which was servicing the restaurants and their plated desserts and the cafe. So all of their baked goods. And I was there for probably about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to run a kitchen at a multimillion dollar French patisserie that had four locations at the time and was also doing wholesale. So I just started getting into bigger and bigger kitchens, managing bigger and bigger teams and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger production lists, which is actually really what I'd love to do. Wow. And where now, are you? Yeah. Where are you now? Oh, and now I own my own pastry consulting company. So working in the kitchen is just, it, it's hard on the body. You get to the point where you age out of it. And you get tired of working on the weekends and you get tired of working on the holidays and missing all of missing all of the things Mm -hmm. essentially. And when you work in a kitchen, the higher you go on the ladder, the less you're actually doing what you love and the more people management you're doing. And I don't love people management. I'm not a great manager. I'm not afraid to say it. It wasn't a good fit for me. But at the same time, I also saw that fewer people were going to pastry schools. Culinary schools were actually shutting down. And so there was less of this pool of pastry chefs to to choose from the you've been everywhere and everybody's hiring you know especially in restaurants and so i saw this need for a consulting service where restaurants or food brands or food manufacturers that maybe don't need a full-time pastry chef mm-hmm. could use services like how to create some recipes that their line cooks could do or how can they combine convenience products with some uh, house-made recipes to combine Uh, and create a a dessert menu. Or a lot of food brands don't have a full-time pastry chef on staff, but they want to be able to post recipes on social media. Sometimes they need help training staff. Sometimes they just need help getting a restaurant opened. And so that's what I've been doing for the last three and a half years. Wow. That sounds really exciting. Lots of variety, lots of things going on. I also, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about all of your experience and the skills you've had having to manage all of this food. And I know you have some tips for home cooks that you've learned from this. And so I want to know, what is your favorite kitchen tool that home cooks should be using more of or should know about? Okay, it's going to surprise you. The freezer. 
the freezer is my favorite tool in the kitchen. Wow. I think most under, underutilized tool in the kitchen. Okay. Why, why, why the freezer? So the freezer is actually a really wonderful preservation method. It's been used, I mean, <laughs> since the dawn of time to preserve food. And I think people really get weary about the, using the freezer because they think things are going to taste freezer burned or, you know, have a weird taste or they're going to thaw in a weird way. But the enemy of the freezer is the air. Okay. So if you can keep the air from getting to whatever you're freezing, you're going to be able to preserve it well without it tasting funky or having a weird texture. So just knowing how to wrap items, knowing how to store them and knowing how to thaw them is really important. And I don't think a lot of people know that. And I free, my friends tease me all the time. I freeze everything. I mean, <laughs> I, I would say almost everything. There are a few things that don't freeze well, but if, if there's leftover anything, like, do you want this? I'm like, yep, I'll stick it in the freezer. Cause they just know that, I, you know, food waste is a big deal. I will freeze whatever it is. Okay, so let's do it. I just I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I have the tiniest freezer. I don't have a chest freezer of any kind anymore. And I have a fridge that has a freezer section that's divided in two, and you can convert one of those two into a refrigerator. So I have one as a refrigerator. So I have half of what the average kitchen fridge freezer would be. I think because I I am exactly I I don't I, I'm af- afraid of it or I found it stressful. So mm-hmm. how how do I keep the air out? Let's start there and let's talk about managing all of that stuff. Okay, well, I also want to say that for the majority of my life I didn't have a chest freezer either. We just moved about six months ago and I got it's actually a stand up freezer, so it's not the type that lifts up; it's the type that opens. But for the longest time, I just had the standard freezer as part of my refrigerator freezer. So when you're freezing things, you want to keep the air out. So if it's something that's a sauce, whether it's a soup or something like a lemon curd, when you have it in your container, you want to take the plastic wrap or you know even a piece of wax paper or parchment paper and touch it directly to the surface of whatever that liquid or you know some mm. non-solid item is so that the air between the lid and the food is minimized and then put the lid on and then either put it like in a zip top bag or wrap that in plastic or wrap in plastic and put it in a zip top bag as well. The air is the enemy. So whatever you can do to keep the air away is the best procedure. So multiple layers of keeping the air away. So you're saying if I have a gravy that I've poured into a freezer safe, like a not Tupperware, but rubber, one of those Tupperware Rubbermaid kind mm-hmm. of containers poured in there. I then should put plastic wrap or wax paper on the top, put the lid of the container and then wrap the whole thing in plastic wrap and then put all of that into a zip top bag. Is that what you're saying? Sort of. <laughs> sort of. When you say it like that, it sounds a little neurotic. <laughs> Definitely the most important is getting the surface of your gravy covered either with wax paper or a piece of plastic wrap before you put the lid on, you know, the tighter the lid can be, the more secure the lid can be, the better. So that's sort of, if you're easing into putting things into the freezer and you don't want to go full out, do that. And you will see major improvements in the quality of the product when you thaw it. What about zip top bags? If I put something Mm -hmm. in a zip top bag and I can get the air out by like submerging the bag in water, or if if you have a fancy machine, people do a lot of sous vide stuff Mm -hmm. now, they have a fancy machine for taking the air out, but even Mm -hmm. just plunging it in the water, is that a good way to do it? Or is the freezer bag not quite good enough for that? 
I think the freezer bag is great. If it's something that's solid, sometimes I will wrap that in plastic and then put it in the zip top bag, you know, like something like a pie dough or a tart dough. I'm wrapping that first before I put it in the zip top bag. But if it's something like seasonal fruit, you know, I will usually chop that into pieces. You know, if it's something like a cherry, maybe take the pits out, let that freeze on a sheet tray. And then once it's frozen, just put that directly into a zip top bag, get all of the air out of it. Or yeah, one of those like food saver machines that'll kind of suck the air out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. I had no idea about the like wax paper, plastic wrap. I just would put things into the container and then stick them into the freezer. And yeah, you're right. Sure. I don't like, I don't like freezing stuff for a variety of reasons. Is there anything else people should know about when they want to freeze? So liquids, I think we covered like solid items uh, other than just the wrapping. Yes. So small individual items, things like, you know, that seasonal fruit, you know, cherries that have been pitted, things like croutons or bread that you've sliced, anything that is individual sort of pieces or is meant to be individual pieces later, freeze it first in a single layer on a sheet tray. And then once it's frozen, you can put it in a, you know, airtight container or in a zip top bag. Otherwise, it's just going to stick together and you're never you're going to have to let it thaw all the way. And if it's, you know, sliced bread and you just want to make some toast, that's going to be a problem for Mm -hmm. later. So anything that's small like that, freeze it first on a sheet tray, and then you can put it into your storage container. That makes a lot of sense to me. I have a couple of recipes on Cook the Story for cooking things straight from frozen. People want to know if they can take chicken breast straight from the freezer and and cook them. And the answer is yes, but only if you froze them individually first. Right. Because you can't take this like big <laughs> clump of <laughs> 10 chicken breasts and stick it in the oven. It's going to be a mess. So that's great. Also things like I, I make a lot of pierogies. So I freeze, I do exactly what you said. More, well, for some things, and I would be curious what other things are like this, Progies, if you so you can cook them straight from frozen, like I cook them first and then I freeze them in the single layer, like you said, and then I transfer them to a zip top bag and get the air out. And then when I go to cook them, they're not all stuck together. And if they were stuck together, when they hit the boiling water, they as they come apart, they tend to tear more often. And then you end up with broken progies that don't have the filling inside. Mm-hmm. So are there other things like that where it's not just about like being able to cook them easily, but like Yes. Yes. So many things, things like uh, fruit pies. So an unbaked apple pie an unbaked cherry or blueberry pie can be fully assembled, frozen, and then baked from frozen, which is really great mm. for holidays. Things like pate choux. So pate choux is the dough that's used to make things like eclairs and cream puffs. You can actually pipe your eclairs and cream puffs and on a sheet tray, space them out how you would if you were going to bake them. But freeze it and then bake that directly from frozen. You don't have to thaw those eclairs or cream puffs before you bake them. One of my favorites are things like breakfast sandwiches. I'll Mm. pre-assemble, you know, whether it's with a biscuit or an English muffin, get those assembled for the freezer. And then those can be, to be honest, I'm not baking them. They go in the microwave (laughs) in the morning, but people do this all the time. You know, you buy them at the grocery store, Mm-hmm. But you can make them exactly how you like them and recreate the same thing. And those can go directly into the microwave frozen. That is a great idea for uh, busy mornings. I bet they'd go in the air fryer really well, too. Like maybe oh. low first. I, I'm obsessed with my air fryer. <laughs> I'm sure. I keep hearing about the air fryer. 
I need to, I need to get one. I haven't played. Oh, well, you're converting me to the freezer. We should have another <laughs> conversation where I convert you to the air fryer because it is yeah. magical. I've been actually experimenting like this as a, as a pastry chef. I've been experimenting with store-bought pizza dough in the mm-hmm. air fryer to make like homemade, like uh, hot pockets. And oh, literally yeah. it's the pizza dough, the filling, and they go in there for seven minutes and they're yeah. beautiful and you don't have to preheat the oven. Like I could just have the pizza dough in the fridge. And just be like, I, you know what? I bet I could pre-make them and freeze them and then mm-hmm. put through the air fryer. <laughs> yes, that exists at the grocery store. So absolutely, yeah. you can recreate that at home. I love it. I love it. Oh, so many ideas. Okay, so I want to know. So the reason that when my last big freezer finally died, I did not get another one. And the reason that I, well, the reason that I have, like I said, that I let that one section of my fridge that could be a freezer be a fridge is because I have two children who eat a lot and having extra fridge space for snacks and things is helpful. But the main reason that I don't use the freezer very much is because I found that I lost things in there or I didn't use, like it actually contributed to my food waste because I would Mm -hmm. make a big batch of soup and then never eat the stuff that I froze. And then I ended up in this world of like spreadsheets and I was trying and it just, it became like an extra chore. So do you have thoughts on easily managing what's in the freezer? Yes. So I think coming from a professional kitchen, I label everything. I mean, you have to, I mean, they require that things are labeled and dated. And so it's just something that I got into the habit of doing. I just have masking tape in my kitchen and I label things with what it is and the date that they were going into the freezer so that it's easy for me. You know, the freezer can be dark or, you know, you've got things stacked in front of each other. So that's just a really easy way for me to be, to remember what things are because I'm constantly seeing the name of it. The other thing that I like to do because I free, it's not just pastry. Yes, I'm a pastry chef, but you know, I'm, I'm married and I'm, you know, the person who is in charge of the majority of the cooking at home. And I do love to cook, but it is a burden to be that person who does it Mm -hmm. all of the time. And so I make almost like I would make a grocery list. I just have a piece of paper in the kitchen and just like with a magnet and it lists all of the meals that can be made with what I have in the freezer. Or if it's a quick bread, like I always make two banana breads or two zucchini breads at a time because the whole one freezes after it's baked. You can just put it in the freezer and thaw it. And it takes just as much time to make two as it does to make one. So I will put those things just on a list. Mm. And then what I like to do is then I can say to my husband, what do you feel like having for dinner tomorrow night? And he can actually pick. So he feels like he's getting sort of that choice. He's not just being fed what's being made. He's choosing what it is but it's things that are already ready. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I like to management. I can, I can see, I mean, I do love a spreadsheet. Don't get me wrong, but you know, the idea of having to go to your computer, type something up and have access to it. I can see how that would be stressful. I just keep a list on a magnet. And then as things come out of the freezer, I cross them off as things go into the freezer. I just write it down. And then I just constantly refer to that. Yeah, that that makes sense. Do you so you said you have a stand-up freezer? Is that mm-hmm. I'm imagining I think my grandmother actually that her last freezer before she passed away was stand-up, and I feel like she chose it because it was gonna be easier to find things. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. It's just it's a small reach-in freezer. It's maybe like five feet tall. And I got this freezer because it fit into the space that I had. I didn't have the horizontal space. I had the vertical space. And so I didn't realize at the time, I didn't choose it for any specific purpose, except for it was the size that fit. But now that I have it, things just can't go as deep. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you can only get a couple of containers deep in there. Mm-hmm. And then everything is just a lot more visual vertically. So when you open it, you can see everything in their storage in the door, just like mm-hmm. you would, you know, with a regular freezer, you know, and that's where I keep things like butter or crackers or, you know, things that are just really small and I need to be able to grab fruit purees, things like that. You know what? I just had this like revelation in my head about like, obviously the stand-up freezer is easier. So I had a guest on here, one of the first episodes that I did, but I think we redid the interview recently, who lives on an antique sailboat and Mm -hmm. her fridge is a chest fridge. And when I picture like how hard it must be to try and find what you want when you have to look down in the fridge versus our stand-up fridge. Like it's obvious to me who would, mm-hmm. and why would you want that? And yet so many of our freezers are like that, you mm-hmm. know? So like, obviously it's going to be like, now I have the visual in my head. I'm like, oh, <laughs> how would it be if my fridge was suddenly a chest that I had to go digging in? It would be exactly. awful. So yeah, 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 that makes so much sense. Uh, Jessica, this has been really, really interesting. I maybe have been swayed to get myself a stand-up freezer and start freezing things better. Can you tell people where they can find you online if they want to ask questions or see what you're doing and making? That kind of yes. thing. Yes. If you have any questions on if something is freezable, please just reach out and ask. You can find me on Instagram at Sweet B Chicago. Sweet B Chicago. And that's your website, right? And that is my website, so sweetbchicago.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. I told you, Jessica sure knows her stuff, right? I am really using these freezer tips, the wax paper, getting it close to the soups and stews going in the freezer. All of that stuff is really saving the things in my freezer and making them last longer. I have a very small freezer. I don't put a ton in there, but what I do put is really lasting and it's really working. Okay, now I'm going to turn to the meal plan portion of this show. And as I said, this is all making use of frozen foods and you can find frozen things at the grocery store for much less money than the fresh counterparts quite often. So it's a great thing if you know how to cook those ingredients. Let's dive in. We're starting this week with a green pea soup with ham, but instead of it using split green peas, this uses frozen peas. So bag of peas in your freezer, you are ready to go with this soup. It comes together much more quickly than the dried peas would. Super tasty and hearty with the ham. And then you're going to have that with some sliced hoagies. On day two of this meal plan, we're doing a really fun recipe. It's buffalo cod from frozen with ranch alfredo. So you're buying cod portions frozen and then you're doing this buffalo sauce trick to them and then you're making this alfredo sauce with ranch and greek yogurt it's really really nice you're having that with a salad but i'm saying don't do a dressing for the salad just put like some salt pepper maybe a little squeeze of lemon juice you're going to get some of that ranch alfredo sauce going and it's going to be great when it touches the salad on your plate And then on the third day of this meal plan, we're doing some sausages from Frozen. You get a packet of Frozen Italian sausages and you are cooking those straight from Frozen and they turn out really perfectly. No need to take the time to defrost them first. And you're having that with some fajita vegetables, so peppers and onions sauteed together on hoagie rolls with some sliced Swiss cheese. So tasty. On the fourth day of this meal plan, you're doing chicken cordon bleu from Frozen. This recipe is really interesting. You're basically taking frozen chicken breasts and you're cooking them straight from Frozen, which is totally safe. I got this technique from USDA.gov. It's really, really great. You basically, whenever you're cooking 
chicken from frozen, straight from frozen, it takes about one and a half times longer than it normally would take. So that is taken into account in the recipe that I'm linking to for this one. And you're turning it into chicken cordon bleu by adding some toasty breadcrumbs, cheese, and ham to it as it's cooking. So you get chicken cordon bleu even though you started with frozen chicken breasts. And you're going to have that with some rice and you're going to mix together some frozen corn that you've defrosted doesn't have to be warmed up though, just like defrosted with some ranch dressing, bell peppers, and cherry tomatoes. Kind of like a little corn salad that's making use of the ranch dressing that we needed for that other day. And then we're finishing off the week with kind of like a Friday fish fry kind of idea, but we're doing fish from frozen that's breaded and done in the oven. And the way that actually happens is you're cooking the fish from frozen partially, and then it comes out and you add breadcrumbs to the top and then it goes back in. So you get that kind of crunchy coating on top, kind of mimicking the fish fry crunchy breading kind of coating, but you're doing it on frozen fish. You're going to have that with a bag of frozen French fries from the grocery store, or if you want to just start with potatoes and do oven fries, that's fine too. And some frozen peas that you've warmed up. So very traditional, like English style in that way. And then if you want to, you can either buy some tartar sauce at the grocery store to have with the fish, or you can mix together some Greek yogurt with some relish. We have Greek yogurt being used on that buffalo cod ranch Alfredo earlier in the week. So you'll have the Greek yogurt adding some relish, salt, pepper, and garlic powder. That's going to make kind of like a tartar sauce kind of thing. Or if you wanted to use mayonnaise, you can do that. I will link to a full tartar sauce recipe in case you want to make your own, but that's going to use more ingredients that you have to get. So I'm saying Greek yogurt and relish, salt, pepper, garlic powder. That is all you need. Okay, that is our meal plan for the week. I'm just going to let you know where you can find that meal plan. You're going to head to cookthestory.com slash meal plans, and you'll see all the meal plans that I talk about on this show there. You'll click on this one. It's number 93. And when you click on it, you get all the instructions, like the different things that I was just telling you about, the links to all of the recipes. You can make them and a printable grocery list to go with it. You just print it and take it to the store. You are ready for your week. Okay. I want to say a huge thank you to Jessica for being such a wonderful guest. Thank you for listening. I love that you're out there. Please tell a friend about this show if you're enjoying it. We have some exciting news coming up that I think you're going to want to share as well. So stay tuned for that. I want to say thank you to Caroline Hull and her team from Wild Home Podcasting for producing this episode. And as always, thank you to Audio Snack for all the great music. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>